Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and this is episode 92 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today I'm breaking down part two of my top 24 running back rankings with my running backs 1 through 12 and giving a player profile for each as of June 16th, 2019. I'll be evaluating and updating regularly throughout the offseason, and we'll have a final set of rankings come August in the lead up to draft season. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, TCK Potters, welcome back. First off, I want to start today by wishing everyone a happy Father's Day. Shouts out to the fathers out there, the dads, the bonus dads, foster dads, stepdads, Whatever you're doing, shouts out to the mom too, pulling double duties. You know, it's much appreciated to uh, and, and, and important and a blessing to take care of a young one. So shouts out to all of you pulling your weight there. Last episode, I went through my running backs 13 through 24 in reverse order. And I'm going to finish up my top 24 rankings today doing 12 to 1. And we are going to start the countdown here with Marlon Mack at number 12. Finished last year at 23, but he did miss four games. He would have been approximately running back nine over 16 games. ECR has him at running back 15. ADP has him at running back 16, and he's going in the middle of the third round. I've got him a little bit higher than everybody else. Mack is a potential league winner and top six running back upside, I think. Uh, he was eighth in the AFC in rushing yards and missed four games last year. So he has that upside. If he would have played all 16 games, he probably would have been you know, in the top five in rushing yards for sure, maybe even top three in an explosive offense. He's got, he's got possibly the league's best offensive line, who ranked fourth overall and sixth in second-level runs of five to ten yards in 2018. The Colts also have a much-improved defense from years past, including all-pro defensive rookie of the year Darius Leonard, who led the league in tackles by nearly 20, and he missed a game. This should help the run game with positive game scripts for the Colts, giving Marlon Mack more opportunities to tote the rock. Another benefit for Mack is Andrew Luck, quarterback, of course. If you haven't heard my quarterback rankings yet from last week, please pause now and go cruise that episode. I did that one with... Uh, Justin of Fantasy Fucking Football, we had a great time, and I also did my own episode as well, breaking down all 24, make sure you go check that out as well. Spoiler alert, Andrew Luck right now is my quarterback one overall. That said, I expect Luck to pull defenders back and keep Mack with an open daylight consistently on the line of scrimmage. Marlon Mack faced 6.7 average defenders in the box last year. Well, I think it could be uh, fewer than that this year, and... Probably even less with the Colts' passing attack, getting more weapons such as Devin Funches from Carolina, Paris Campbell, second-round draft pick out of Ohio State with 4-3 speed, and a healthy Jack Doyle coming back as well. Marlon Mack had the ninth-most goal-line carries and 10th-most goal-line touches among running backs last year. I see both of those numbers increasing or decreasing, however you want to look at it. More goal-line opportunities is what I'm getting at. In weeks 15, 16, and 17, Max saw 69 total touches, 15 of those in the red zone, 305 total yards, 133 of those created after contact or first evaded tackle, 26 evaded tackles, 12 in both week 15 and 17, and four total touchdowns. He finished RB8 or higher in four of 10 games in which he had at least 10 carries. He saw 15 plus carries in 16 of, excuse me, of six of 10 games, and most notably, he smashed up the Texans in the wild card game for 24 carries, 148 yards, and a touchdown on the ground alone. I expect a big year from the Colts' offense in general, and Luck will be the center point, but Mack will also be a main factor. And if he can stay healthy, he's missed six games already in his first two, two seasons, but if he can stay healthy, he could be top eight for sure. Um, definitely outperforming his current ADP of, again, RB16. One of my favorite RB2s to pair up with a top-end running back or receiver this year, um, Melvin Gordon or, say, David Johnson, um, maybe even Mixon if you have him that high. Uh, Mike Evans and Marlon Mack would be a choice start to a draft with their respective ADPs and where you can get them in drafts. My only concerns are the health issues and 27th-ranked strength of schedule, but most of that comes in the later part of the season, so I'll reevaluate the strength of schedule when we get there. He has a really nice first-half schedule, though. 
So he could be a great trade weapon potentially come midseason. Uh, he's my RB12, three above ECR and four above ADP, and he may even be higher once draft season comes. So that was Marlon Mack at 12. Next up, maybe a controversial pick here, Le'Veon Bell at 11. Le'Veon Bell, my RB11, didn't play last year, of course, sat out. Um, but ECR has him at RB7, ADP has him at RB7, and he's going as the ninth pick in the first round. Miami running backs scored a measly 10 rushing combined touchdowns. So Frank Gore, Kalen Balazs, and Kenyon Drake last year in Miami and the year before, um, the Miami running backs scored 10 combined rushing touchdowns over the last two years under then head coach Adam Gase. Adam Gase, of course, is now in New York with the Jets, therefore in charge of Le'Veon Bell. This alone gives me pause. Gase has been known to put players in the doghouse for disagreements, personality clashes, and workload disputes. See Kenyon Drake with a limited role, Devontae Parker with a limited role, and Jay Ajayi, who Gase straight up kicked up out of town. To say that Lev has an ego and boisterous personality that may conflict with Gase <laughs> would be an understatement. I'm not hating, but Adam Gase might be. And that's all hypothetical, so let's talk some numbers here. We know how good Lev can be, so I'll save the stat breakdown for James Conner coming up a little bit when I compare the two of them. So I'll save a little bit for Le'Veon Bell, but I will, however, talk about my biggest concern aside from Gase, which is the Jets' offensive line. The Jets' offensive line ranked 32nd overall in 2018. They had 26% of their runs, so one quarter of their runs, stuffed for no gain or a loss, which was the most in the NFL. This is terrible news for a patient runner like Le'Veon Bell, who relies on his offensive line to open holes so that he can accelerate through them. He can't do all that if there's already defenders in the backfield. They were also 28th in second-level run rank which is runs of 5 to 10 yards divided by the team's running back carries. Now, I'm well aware that the combo of Isaiah Crowell, uh, Elijah McGuire, and Trenton Cannon doesn't strike fear into the defenses the way that Le'Veon Bell could, but nonetheless, this is an offensive line issue first. A lack of opening holes and moving bodies decreases the ability for the running back to get to the second level, something that made Le'Veon Bell routinely a top fantasy back behind a dominant offensive line in Pittsburgh. He is very versatile and dangerous in the open field, but not so much behind the line of scrimmage because of his patient running style. If the Jets don't get mean and mobile up front in a hurry, Le'Veon Bell could really struggle, and unfortunately I think that could happen at least to start the season this year. The offensive line woes coupled with Gase's offenses ranking bottom in the league in overall plays, tempo, and efficiency paired with a potentially low-scoring offense in general this year is very alarming to me. I'm staying away from Le'Veon Bell, period, to be honest, this year. And I recommend that you do as well until the middle to late second round. He's going as the ninth pick in the first round right now, so you probably won't even see him if you wait that long. But for me, I'm comfortable with that. Even in the second round, proceed with caution and scoop a high upside running back late just in case he does flop. I know it sounds ridiculous to think you'd draft and eventually sit Le'Veon Bell, but I have a bad gut feeling about this one. I just want you to be prepared just in case. I love Lev as a player, but I hate the situation. He's my RB11 right now, four below ECR and ADP, but I'd have him lower, honestly, if his name wasn't Le'Veon Bell. Let's move on. Number 10, RB10, Leonard Fournette. Missed eight games last season, of course. Missed a bunch in his rookie season in 2017 as well. He finished 39th overall last year. He would have been roughly 10th over 16 games. ECR has him at 13. ADP has him at 15. He's going as the fourth pick in the third round. I personally am all about Leonard Fournette this year. Leonard Fournette is a post-high sleeper in my opinion. He was on pace for 374 total touches in 2017 as a rookie and 309 total touches in 2018 before all of his injuries, or including all of his injuries, I should say. He needs to stay healthy, obviously, but the Jags were without four-fifths of their offensive line to end the season when Leonard Fournette had a pretty horrible 126 yards and a touchdown over his final three games combined, leaving a rotten taste in fantasy owners' mouths. And I know a lot of people are scared of Leonard Fournette. I personally am not. I know it's very risky, but I'm willing to draft accordingly. He should have averaged 20 carries per game and about four receptions per game. So if he can do that this year, about 20 carries per game, four receptions per game, that's 24 touches per game. He'd be in the league, top of the league there. 
Um, he was on pace for 44 receptions each of the last two seasons, so I definitely think that that's going to um, fall into place. But I also think he might get up closer to 60-plus um, as the Jags have come out already this offseason saying that he's going to be a big part of the passing game as well for Nick Foles. And we've seen him be able to check down uh, over his career as well. So I like Fournette to exceed 50 receptions this year, which could give him an extra boost. I'll take that even over 13 games as my RB2 with upside for sure. I don't think Nick Foles is that much better than Blake Bortles, to be honest, but he is better. And the Jags have a ton of young receivers, and any of them could turn up as a stud. If that happens and defenses start to play a bit off, then Fournette can really eat this season. They also have a legendary, or had a legendary defense in 2017. They were first overall in the NFL that pretty much went to shit last year with injuries and infighting, and they still finished sixth in the NFL. If they return to 80% of themselves, that'll help Fournette and GameScript for sure. If he gets an early career Adrian Peterson nine men in the box treatment, like he did much of last year when they had no offense, it'll be hard for him to wiggle through. But if Foles can be who he was with Philadelphia and the Young Jags receivers can rise up to create an actual threat in the air for the first time since 2015 when they had Allen Robinson and uh, Allen Hearns, I honestly see Fournette exploding this year. I think of all... I think all this happens, and he outport, outperforms his ADP and finishes top 10, barring injury, of course. I have Fournette projected out to 280 PPR fantasy points. That would have been good for RB8 in 2018. I'll rank him at RB10, 3 above ECR and 5 above ADP, because I like guys coming up a bit more. But if it weren't for injury concerns, Leonard Fournette would be in everyone's top 10. Let's get into James Conner. Now, I'll give you a heads up right now. This is going to be a pretty lengthy breakdown because I am going to spend some time here breaking down James Conner and Le'Veon Bell. Let me get into Conner first here. James Conner, he is my ninth running back right now, and honestly, he'll probably move down a little bit. I created these rankings at the beginning of this week when I started running back week, and I have tried to stick with them. I did make an adjustment up at the top, which I'll get to in just a little bit, but I kept Conner where he is right now because I need a little bit more uh, research, but... Connor right now is my ninth running back. He missed three games last year. He finished sixth overall, seventh in points per game, and ECR has him at eight, ADP has him at eight, and he's going as the last pick in the first round. But I think all of those are going to be skewed as new new reports have come out of Pittsburgh. Um, as of this recording, it was yesterday uh, that James Connor himself pretty much came out and said that he's not sure how much his workload is going to be affected by Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell and how much they're going to actually rely on him to be a workhorse and all these things. So I will probably actually move Connor back to maybe 12, maybe outside the top 12. Again, I'm not trying to panic too much yet, but uh, this is not a good sign as far, you know, when you get up to the top 10 running backs, you need to make sure they're going to be workhouse workhorse guys. And if, um, if Connor is not going to be one of those, then I just can't have him in my top 10. So we'll reevaluate. But as of right now, he's my number nine. That'll probably change. So disregard my ranking so much. And let's just uh, break down his overall projection for me and, and, and player profile. So, James Conner helped a lot of people win leagues last year, including TCK Pod co-host Curly, who was riding the Conner train before it was cool and maybe keeping him in the 13th round from last year in our league of record, which would be huge, obviously. He also had Mahomes and Gurley, so Curly was cranking for sure. Although Pittsburgh offensive line ranked just 15th overall after ranking in the top 10 since 2014, Conner still filled in admirably for Le'Veon Bell, who some would say Connor even actually outperformed him. Now, I'm going to skip ahead really quick to this chart that I created, um, which is James Connor and Le'Veon Bell side by side. Now, this is a little bit skewed because this is James Connor's season last year. So, James Connor 2018 only. And then Le'Veon Bell's stats averaged over 2013 through 2017. Now, of course, he didn't play last year. So, I took out 2018. And he's been hurt a little bit, so I did averages. So Bell's averages from 2013 when he came in the league to 2017 and James Conner from last year. So games played, James Conner, 13, Le'Veon Bell, 12.4 average. So Lev is basically missing three point three and a half games a year on average. James Conner missed three last year. Carries, Lev has the edge, 245 to, to Conner's 215. Rushing yards average per season. Le'Veon Bell has the edge 1,067 to James Conner's 973 last year. 
Average rush yards per game, Le'Veon Bell, 86. James Conner, 74. Yards per carry, Conner has just a little bit more efficient, 4.5. Bell, 4.3. Rushing yards last year, James Conner, 12. Le'Veon Bell's average, 7. So that was interesting there that Le'Veon Bell's averaged 7 rushing yards, rushing touchdowns over his career. James Conner had 12 last year and missed 3 games. Targets, Le'Veon Bell, no surprise here, has just a few more actually on an average um, about eight more uh, per season, 79 for Bell and 71 for Connor. Receptions, 62 for Lev, 55 for Connor last year. Receiving yards, Bell, 532, Connor, 497. And receiving touchdowns, 1.4 per season for Bell, one last year for Connor. Overall, James Connor scored 280 PPR points. And Le'Veon Bell has averaged 272.1 PPR points in his career so far. So <clears throat> I wanted to make this chart and break it down in that, you know, Le'Veon Bell had overall a better career in, in Pittsburgh maybe, but in just one season of being that guy, Connor had an exceptional career there and better than Bell in some categories, um, such as rushing touchdowns uh, and fantasy points in general. Now, Le'Veon Bell's had some explosive seasons, of course, but on average, Connor would have, you know, beaten out Le'Veon Bell on the average season there. So I just wanted people to understand how comparable uh, Connor actually was to Le'Veon Bell's time in Pittsburgh. I was a fan of Connor coming out of Pittsburgh, but I'll admit it had more to do with him beating Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. Uh, than his play on the field when he was coming out of school. That said, it's hard to not root for the guy at this point, now on a personal level and on the field. Few thought Connor could fill in for Le'Veon Bell, certainly not exceed those numbers as he did for stretches of 2018. Four weeks in a row, from weeks 5 to 9, James Connor had at least 23 touches and 110 rushing yards. He also had 180 total yards in weeks 1, 5, and 8. He did fade a little bit down the stretch, but I'm chalking that up to lingering concussion that he got middle of the season. Still not 100% after beating cancer and having a full season of a workload catch up to him when he was not expecting it coming in. Now, coming into the season last year, James Conner was expecting to maybe spell Le'Veon Bell a little bit and maybe play a couple of games once they figured out his contract and Bell was holding out and they thought he was maybe going to hold out for a couple of weeks, maybe the first half of the season, yada yada, and all of a sudden James Conner's playing the entire season. So I just don't think his conditioning and his mindset was to the right mind frame to get him to a workhorse load, and he did very well because that offense is incredible and James Conner's is a great running back, but I'm not sure that he was mentally prepared for what they put him into. So... I'm going to take a little steam off of uh, James Conner just because I think he would have been better. Like if he was, if he got last year's work this year and he had a whole year behind him and removed from cancer, I think he would exceed these numbers. But again, with the reports coming out that he may be a uh, kind of a, a timeshare, if you will, then I think nine may uh, unfortunately be too high. The Steelers also do have pass-catching specialist Jalen Samuels, who's a converted tight end, and they drafted Benny Snell from Kentucky in the fourth round. But I'm not worried about either of these guys really cutting into the work when James Conner's healthy, although, again, we need to see what these reports are all about. And uh, maybe they just have a straight-up, like, James Conner's the pounder with Bell or uh, with uh, Benny Snell um, spelling him, and then Jalen Samuels, they use them in the pass game. We'll see uh, what they actually do there in Pittsburgh. Even so, there are 200-plus targets up for grabs as Antonio Brown and Jesse James have now left town. Samuels is a running back, which may cut into Connor's work in the pass game a bit, but not on the ground. Um, and I don't think um, they'll cut into him at the goal line either. Connor should still be the goal line back. Lenny, uh, excuse me, Snell is a solid running back, but ran a 4.640 at the combine and tested in the ninth percentile spark athlete, which is horrible. The ninth, not the 90th, the ninth percent spark athlete, which is not very good. Snell is a bit of a change of pace back and could spell Connor from time to time, but he shouldn't cut into his everyday workload, I don't think, as a rookie, assuming Connor stays healthy. With a three headed monster possible in Pittsburgh, it's hard to think of Connor as a top six back uh, rankings-wise. Honestly, I don't even think I'm going to have him in my top ten at this point. But he could finish top six at season end if uh, they do give him quality work there. Um, I like Connor a lot. 
and losing AB is going to change this offense one way or another. So if it means that Big Ben does not lead the league in pass attempts once again in 2019, and they do run more featuring Connor, then Connor should eat. Uh, he may be top five if that's the case, if they give him a full workload again. <clears throat> but, you know, again, it's all about these reports, so we're putting a little bit of a pause on that. Depending on how your uh, draft shakes out, Connor is a kind of early second round, mid, late second round pick. Um, if you start with a top four running back plus Connor or a top uh, wide receiver plus Connor, um, you should be stoked heading into the third round. But I think with these reports and everything else coming out with about a timeshare, he might fall back to the middle to late second round, in which case you might be able to steal him in the third, which I think would be a steal at that point. He right now is my RB9, um, but again, I'm probably going to fade him back to uh, probably around 12, maybe outside a little bit. I'll have to readjust things. Plus, he's got the second-best running back strength of schedule, so you've got to love that. So I don't hate James Conner. I'm not trying to panic too much on his situation, but it is something to monitor about uh, what they're going to do with him in Pittsburgh. So I just really want to see it shake out. Once August comes and I redo these evaluations, we'll see where Conner lands up. But if I had to guess right now, Conner's probably going to be behind Fournette, Le'Veon Bell, Marlon Mack, um, probably Dalvin Cook, Damian Williams, um, assuming... Gurley is healthy. I'll bring him up too. So Connor might even be in, in down in like the 15 range. So we'll get there when that time comes. A couple more. We'll take a quick break. Next up, running back number eight, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb played a full season. He finished number 15, but he didn't really get a full workload until week seven when he finished number eight overall down the stretch from seven to 17 when he took over for uh, Carlos Hyde. Nick Chubb was just four yards short of 1,000 rushing yards as a rookie and didn't see more than three carries in any game through the first six weeks. So ECR has him at 12, ADP has him at 13, and he's going in the middle of the second round. I've got him all the way up at running back eight. Loving me some Nick Chubb. He didn't get a full workload until week seven, as I mentioned, once the Browns traded Carlos Hyde to Jacksonville. But from then on, he had 20-plus carries in 40% of his games, 19 or more touches in eight of those 10 games, and he rushed for over 100 yards in four times resulting in RB8 over weeks uh, 8 through 17. Kareem Hunt, now in Cleveland, is suspended for eight games for his bullshit, and we're not really sure what his role is going to be upon returning, but he will return eventually. I'll either handcuff Hunt, scoop him off waivers around week 6 ahead of the crowd, or cross that bridge later on when I get there. But Chubb is a second-round NFL pick, and I feel good about him as my RB1 if I miss out on one of the big four or five and go you know, receiver in the first round. Chubb is set to be a workhorse until Hunt comes back, and he can also catch the ball. Uh, he had 20 receptions on 29 targets, and he had an 82.1% catch rate, which was fifth in the NFL, and he did not drop a pass on 29 targets, which is quite impressive for a running back. So as of now, catching specialist Duke Johnson is still in Cleveland, but he has been vocal about wanting to be traded out since they brought in Kareem Hunt. So I'd imagine that he gets moved at the trade deadline uh, right as Kareem Hunt becomes eligible. Hunt returning is a factor, but there's no guarantee that he becomes you know, a factor immediately uh, in splitting carries with Chubb, especially if he's you know as effective as last year. Draft Chubb to help you get to the fantasy playoffs in week 13. Make a move along the way if necessary, but it's silly not to draft a stud like Chubb who can be steady for you for eight games and most likely more out of fear that something might happen. Again, we're not sure what Kareem Hunt's going to be when he comes in. We're not sure that we're going to play him right away. He may be out of shape. He might not be up to NFL speed after missing um, pretty much an entire season by that point after he got suspended last year and waiting out the first half of this year being suspended. So not super worried about Chubb, to be honest. Chubb is my RB8, and I feel great about that. Odell Beckham will take the top off of the defenses. <clears throat> Landry is going to be a factor, of course. David Njoku now is going to be a factor, I think, as well. Uh, Antonio Callaway um, uh, will uh, definitely be um, be an issue uh, down, the, down the field as well. So um, I'm loving the Browns offense, and Baker will be even better with the Browns offense and scoring more points. So I want... I want that running back, which is Chubb, and Chubb is my dude. He is um, kind of a 
he's kind of a sleeper, I guess, in the top running backs for me, honestly. And if uh, if you have a deep bench, then I would just cuff hunt. Then you don't have to worry about it. You get that running back. You might even get two studs like we've seen in New Orleans over the years. So the uncertainty of Hunt's return is not a reason for me to stay away from Nick Chubb. So I really like uh, Chubb and his potential, and I've got him at running back number eight. Next up at running back number seven, is Melvin Gordon. So this is this is the change that I made. Um, I swapped Melvin Gordon and somebody else, which I'll get to in just a little bit. I dropped Melvin Gordon just a little bit because of Austin Eckler. I didn't put a lot of Austin Eckler stats and all this stuff in here because I, I just hadn't got to it by the time I recorded this podcast. But I will follow up on you know a handcuff episode and things like that. I just really believe that. Um, Austin Eckler, unfortunately, is going to be a, a major factor for the Chargers. Um, well, that's good for the Chargers, but not very good for Melvin Gordon. So I did drop Melvin Gordon out of my top five, and I will get to them in just a little bit. Only four running backs delivered RB2 or better weekly numbers in at least 90% of their games in 2018. That was Zeke, Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, and Melvin Gordon. Now, Melvin Gordon's a beast. I totally understand that. But he missed four games, okay? He's missed a couple of games down the stretch over the last few seasons. He finished seventh overall, fifth in points per game. He's RB5 right now in ECR and ADP going as a seventh pick overall. I have him as my seventh running back overall, so he'll probably be kind of a late first rounder for me, period. But Gordon has finished as a top eight running back in each of the last three seasons, so I couldn't drop him any lower than that. Gordon is the focal point of his offense, which all of the top five running backs are, um, with the Chargers offensive line ranking fifth overall and the best of the top five offensive lines, aside from New Orleans, um, at second overall. I think Gordon is a safe bet and he really is kind of steady Eddie up at the top so I think Melvin Gordon assuming he stays healthy will be just fine but I don't think he has the upside as the rest of my top six running backs which I'll get to in just a little bit he was third in yards created per carry with uh, 2.07 yards per carry last year so two yards per carry and he had the fifth uh, most fantasy points per game with 22.6. So, of course, Melvin Gordon is a dual-threat running back. He he is a great receiver, uh, great pass-catching running back out of the backfield. They use him in the red zone. They use him at the goal line. Um, they use him on all downs. He's a three-down back. I love Melvin Gordon. I just don't think he's got the upside with injury uh, concerns a little bit. I think he it's less like injury-injury concerns. More just I think he wears down with the workload that they give him. He wears down over the season, and in the last couple of years in the playoffs, Melvin Gordon has hurt some teams. So I, I just have six guys ahead of him right there. Assuming Gordon stays healthy, though, he'll be somewhere in the top eight again for sure, possibly even the top five. So I'm going to rank him right in the middle there at RB7. Now, before we get into the top six running backs for me, I want to take a quick break. And if you like what you're hearing right now and you want to find us outside of the podcast, please give us a follow on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod. You can find us on Twitter at tck underscore pod. Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast or drop us an email at tckpod at gmail.com and you can send us any of your questions or your draft strategies or keeper questions, any of that stuff. Send them to any of these avenues and I will personally get back to you and I I, uh, am working on the DMs and the comments all day long so I will get back to you at a timely manner, I promise. And of course, please leave a rate and review right here on the podcast whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, leave a comment leave a rating, leave a review. It really does help us to get your feedback. And before we get into the rest of the episode with my top six running backs, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Stay tuned. Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid 
to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. All right, Joe, let's get into my top six running backs. At number six, Joe Main Mixon. Joe Mixon missed two games last year, finished 10th overall, 9th in fantasy points per game. ECR has him at 9. ADP has him at 9. I have him just a bit higher at 6. He's going as the first pick in the second round. I consider him a first-round pick. Love Joe Mixon. Mixon has missed two games in each of his first two seasons, but other than that, I have no concerns. Former head coach Marvin Lewis underused Mixon in general, but especially in the pass game. Lewis is finally out of town, and in comes new head coach Zach Taylor, who was the Rams quarterback coach in 2018 under Sean McVay. Taylor has already stated that he plans to start the Cincinnati playbook with the Rams offensive schemes. So Mixon could potentially get Todd Gurley-esque work. Todd Gurley saw 81 targets under Taylor last year compared to Mixon's 55. Both played 14 games, but if you give Mixon 25 more targets, he's turning that into roughly 20 receptions, 150 receiving yards for an additional 35 fantasy points on top of what he already had. I'm not saying Mixon is girly, but the prediction could be close if he gets the workload behind a stout offensive line. The Bengals O-line quietly ranked 7th in power ranking, so picking up first downs and or touchdowns on 3rd or 4th and short. So when they need those hard yards, the Bengals are able to muscle up and get it, and Mixon was a big part of that, as well as 3rd in open field rank runs of over 10 yards, divided by the running back carries. The offensive line comes back healthy, and Cincinnati gets back A.J. Green and Andy Dalton back to take pressure off of the run game, plus the emergence of Tyler Boyd and possibly John Ross. The Bengals could be sneaky competitive with a fresh start under an offensive mind used to this generation's skill set. Marvin Lewis was 15 years there, and his schemes went dull about three years in. So finally, the Bengals have moved on. They brought in some fresh blood. I think Zach Taylor is going to have, you know, probably a, 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 a tough first season, only in that he's a rookie head coach. But I think he's going to be great moving forward. Nice schemes. I don't want to get too much into the Sean McVay uh, coaching tree narrative, but I think it does matter as far as being innovative in the game of football. So I think Zach Taylor will be a nice fit for uh, Joe Mixon specifically, as he was with Todd Gurley, but also just in general for this Bengals offense. And, of course, Joe Mixon led the AFC in rushing yards in just 14 games. He should be considered a top five pick next year. I truly believe that. He's my RB6 and first pick outside of the top five. I believe he comes elite in 2019. Love Joe Mixon. Next up, number five, David Johnson. So I just mentioned that I had swapped Melvin Gordon with somebody in the top five. This is who I swapped him with. Uh, just a few days ago, I had David Johnson at seven, Melvin Gordon at five. Since then, I have swapped them. I know a lot of this has to do with hype. Um, a lot of this has to do with, uh, you know, um, hoping that the Cardinals offense can be what everybody wants it to be. But the more and more I see the, the preseason develop, the more everybody's talking out of each camp, um, I really believe that David Johnson, if he stays healthy, is going to get the workload to be a top five running back. And as I mentioned in Melvin Gordon's segment, I just don't think he has the upside that David Johnson has. I think they're similar backs uh, in general, like just steadiness, but I don't think that he has the upside that David Johnson does. DJ was underutilized and played in one of the worst offensive uh, teams last year in the league. The Cardinals were absolutely dreadful. He was still, however, third in carries, 
but just 13th in rushing yards and 15th in red zone touches, mainly because the Cardinals were rarely in the red zone. I think that changes this year. I think they score a bunch more points, and he'll get more of those uh, red zone touches and rushing yards. But he still had the third most carries in the league, which is a good sign there. As bad as things were in Arizona for Johnson and company, he still had 50 receptions, 10 total touchdowns, and 15 fantasy points per game. I think we can all agree that David Johnson got a bad deal last year, so let's chalk that up to a healthy return from 2017, which is great, and look back to a dominating 2016 season for what may happen under new head coach Cliff Kingsbury in the new Air Raid offense. In 2016, Johnson finished as the overall running back one, scoring a beastly 407 PPR points. 407 PPR points, which would have been 22 basically a full game plus more than Saquon and Christian McCaffrey did in 2018. In 2016, David Johnson had 1,239 rushing yards, which would have been fourth in the league last year, 80 receptions, which would have been fifth in the league last year, one catch behind Elvin Kamara's mark, 879 receiving yards, which would have been first in 2018, 12 more than Christian McCaffrey, and 20 total touchdowns tied for second, with Saquon Barkley in 2018, just one behind Todd Gurley at 21. He also had uh, 25.5 fantasy points per game, which would have been second in the league uh, in 2018, just 1.1 fantasy point per game behind Todd Gurley. Simply put, David Johnson can and will be elite this year, I believe. He remains in that top five and has top three upside, I believe. Last year was bogus all around because the Cardinals... And he lost, uh, you know, 2017 to a broken wrist. He came back. Uh, he had, you know, Josh Rosen, who wasn't really able to get it done. He had a young receiving core, an aging um, Larry Fitzgerald, who wasn't really himself, and, and a beat-up offensive line. So that definitely hurt the entire team, especially David Johnson. And it's been a couple of years, but don't forget just how dominating David Johnson can be with the opportunity. I had him as my RB7 behind Melvin Gordon and Mixon because of my concerns with the offensive line in Arizona, which ranked 25th overall in run blocking and 31st in open field rank, which is, you know, runs of 10 plus yards. However, I believe Kyler and Cliff can resurrect the Cardinals offense and bring the air raid hype to reality, which then DJ could become a top three running back. As I mentioned, I think he'll definitely be top five easy as a dual threat, one of the better dual threats in the game. He should be picked up in the middle or back of the first round, regardless of format. He adds even more upside in PPR. Therefore, I moved him up to RB5 just this week. All right, let's move on to the top four. I think the big four are the same for most people. Uh, We actually talked about this with Willie from MMB Fantasy Football on the previous episode that he actually has David Johnson at number four, and he has uh, Christian McCaffrey at number five. So, you know, that is, I think that the hype on David Johnson is rebuilding from last year. I don't think people were ready to be sold on it because of things that went down last year, but I think that it's coming back around. So the hype train is getting fueled up once again for David Johnson. Let's get on to Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is my fourth running back. I love, love, love Alvin Kamara. He helped me. Go undefeated in the League of Record last year. He was my keeper in the 10th round. Helped me bring home that ship last year. But this year, I just think that the the other three ahead of him have a little bit more of an opportunity to score higher. So Alvin Kamara is number four for me. He missed one game last year. He finished fourth overall, fourth in fantasy points per game. He is fourth in ECR, and he's fourth in ADP. I also have him fourth. So Alvin Kamara is fourth all around here. An excellent, excellent back. Alvin Kamara led all running backs with 26 red zone targets, was second in red zone touches with 72, 4.8 per game. He was ninth in goal line carries and second in total touchdowns behind only Todd Gurley, racking up the fourth most fantasy points per game with 23.2. Kamara is a weapon both on the ground and through the air. He was fourth in running back targets at 105, 7 per game, fourth in running back receptions, 81. 5.4 5.4 per game, and fifth in running back receiving yards, 709, 47.3 per game, all while seeing only 6.9 defenders in the box on average, which was 31st in the league. So having Drew Brees helps a lot. So I think, you know, 
I think Kamara easily has the best quarterback of the big four, really the big uh, five, six, seven um, running backs here. So that helps bring back the offensive, uh, the defensive line, I should say, which opens up the hole. So that helps Kamara tremendously. The Saints are able to keep pressure off of the run game with Breeze and Co., but run the fifth most run plays in the league. So Breeze can turn it on when he needs to, but they still run the ball fifth most in the league. He carried the ball under center 58.3% more often than he did from the shotgun. This tells me he's a true running back, not just a scat back, which I think a lot of people thought he was going to be his rookie season. The Saints did bring in Latavius Murray from uh, Minnesota to take over the Mark Ingram role, but Camaro only saw 66.3% snap share anyway. So I'm not worried about his effectiveness as he's 7th innovative tackles and 10th in yards per touch. Murray will steal some touchdowns overall and spell Kamara from time to time, but Kamara stays healthy. He should once again be a top 5 running back in all formats as he's done his first two seasons. I've got him just behind Christian McCaffrey at RB4, but that's only because Christian McCaffrey has no competition. I love I love Alvin Kamara. Um I do think that they're going to bring in and utilize Murray more so in that Mark Ingram role. Of course, Mark Ingram missed the first four games last year where Kamara was absolutely fucking off the hook, which I think helped bolster his stats for the rest of the season. Now, he was amazing the rest of the season as well, but not as ridiculous. So I think Ingram being out helped Kamara. Murray comes in, replaces um, Mark Ingram. I think that Camara's numbers are tamed just a little bit, uh, but he's a great running back. He doesn't—he never seems to get hit too hard. Um, he slides out of bounds. Uh, he's a league leader in uh, evaded tackles. He gets touchdowns on the ground and through the air. He's a great receiver. They put him out wide. They put him out of the backfield. Alvin Kamara is one of my favorite players in the NFL. Love him very much. I would rank him higher, but I just think CMC, Barkley, and Elliott are uh, a better fit this year. Let's move up. We got Christian McCaffrey, third for me. He finished first overall in uh, fantasy points at PPR, third in fantasy points per game. ECR has him at three. ADP has him at two. He's going as a third pick in the first round. Christian McCaffrey had the number one snap share of all running backs at 94.5% last year. So he was on the field for 94.5% of the team's plays, first in the league. He was also first in targets, 124, 7.8 per game. Receptions, 107, 6.7 per game. Receiving yards, 867, 54.2 per game. Cruising him to second in fantasy points per game at 24.1 behind only Todd Gurley. He was fourth in opportunity share, 82.5%. So part of the team's plays on the field, not just snaps, but the plays. Fourth in red zone touches, 60, 3.8 per game. Sixth in rushing yards at 1,098 yards. And total touchdowns with 13. And he was seventh in yards per touch with six. Cam Newton had offseason surgery on his shoulder, which is hobbling him over the offseason. He just started throwing recently in OTAs. This may hinder him. His with you know He kind of already has a subpar downfield efficiency. He did have some career highs last year in efficiency metrics, which was impressive, but this is a, a second shoulder surgery and he's, you know, kind of getting older a little bit and certainly getting more beat up as time goes on here. So I'm, I'm worried about Cam Newton a little bit. He did, however, help Christian McCaffrey remain the number one target in the passing game because his shoulder was so fucked that he couldn't get the ball downfield. As you'll remember, if you played DJ Moore in the uh, semifinals of the fantasy football Leagues, in which I did in one league, and uh, Cam Newton pretty much lost that. I needed DJ Moore to catch about three passes for 20 yards, and uh, he couldn't get that done. DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel have shown some promise for sure, but I'm worried about their overall productivity with Cam under center. Uh, I think he'll be hurting, to be honest, and I'm concerned about him holding up for a full uh, full 16 games. I broke down Cam Newton a little bit more personally in the uh, QB section last week. So dial back the episode to, to check out that take, but I won't go into Cam right now, but I am concerned about him and his injuries starting to pile up. Greg Olson is one foot injury away from retirement. So Christian McCaffrey should get a bulk of the work once again out of the offense. Christian McCaffrey also bulked up over the offseason and said he's, quote, way stronger and faster, end quote. If that's the case, he's going to push for overall RB finish once again. 
I've got him in RB3, but if he's as beastly as last year and as efficient as last year, he could be the running back one or two for sure. Let's get into the top two here. Drum roll. My second running back is Saquon Barkley. Finished third overall, second in fantasy points per game. ECR has him at number one. ADP has him at number one. He's going generally as the first pick in PPR drafts. Totally makes sense. Willie from MMB has him as his number one running back. Most people do. Totally not hating on Saquon going number one. I have him number two, but it's very, very close with him and Zeke. Saquon is a reigning rookie of the year playing in an average offense that jumped from 23rd overall in 2017 to 15th in 2018, but they seemed much worse than 15th overall. It's hard to see them getting better without Odell Beckham, who's now in Cleveland, of course, but if they do, it'll only help Barkley. I think Saquon will be fine either way. He blew up the combine last year, rating in the 96th percentile or higher in the 40, the speed score, burst score, and bench press. He was first in overall PPR fantasy points, beating out Christian McCaffrey by .3. So I just mentioned <coughs> that McCaffrey and uh, McCaffrey finished first. He did, in, unless you really break it down. If you round up, then both guys had 100 and or excuse me, 386 fantasy points in PPR, but McCaffrey um, was edged out by Saquon by 0.3 points if you really boil it down. He and Christian McCaffrey were tied for second in PPR fantasy points per game at 24.1, behind only Todd Gurley. He was also second in carries, 261, 16.3 per game, rush yards, 1,307, 81.7 per game, receptions in 91, uh, 5.7 per game and dominating rating a running backs percentage of total team touches and TDs generated on offense. Saquon was number one in evaded tackles at 114, 7.1 evaded tackles per game. That's insane. That's, that's borderline Madden un, untackable and yards created as well. He was first in 688, 43 per game. Yards created is a stat compiling all yards beyond what was blocked for the running back. So yards generated after uh, the first touch or evaded tackle. Pretty much the most impressive stat for a running back. The New York Giants ranked number one in open field yards. Runs of at least 10 yards divided by the amount of running back carries with 1.6 yards per carry. A lot of that had to do with Saquon's ability to make people miss, but nonetheless... The offensive line was a little bit better than I give him credit for. Saquon could most certainly end the year as the overall running back one, most certainly with his catching ability, but I have him at number two because the Giants offensive line last year ranked 29th overall, whereas Dallas is ranked eighth, and that was without all-pro Travis Frederick, which I'll get to in just a second. You need to nitpick here at the very top, and you can't go wrong with either of these top four running backs. Barring injury, of course, but I'm going to take Saquon Barkley at number two. And that leaves us number one running back for my rankings this year heading into 2019. Barring suspension, of course, Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott finished fifth overall, sixth in fantasy points per game. ECR has him at two, ADP has him at three, fifth pick off the board. Zeke led the league in rushing by 127 yards over Saquon Barkley, and he also led in rushing attempts but he only had six rushing touchdowns and nine total touchdowns. So think about that. He had 127 more rush yards than Saquon Barkley, which is basically one whole beastly game more than Saquon. He only had six rushing touchdowns, nine total. That can only go up. He had 15 rushing touchdowns and 16 total touchdowns as a rookie. In 2017, he had seven rushing touchdowns and nine total touchdowns. I expect between 12 and 15 touchdowns from Zeke, assuming he plays 16 in 2019. He also had 2,100, or excuse me, 2,001 total yards and a career high in receptions with 77, fifth in the league, and recept, uh, receiving yards at 567, eighth in the league. I think both of those numbers go up as well as he'll be more part of the pass game this year. He had 80 receptions. Let's see. My prediction for uh, Zeke through the air this year is about 80 receptions, 600 receiving yards, and five receiving touchdowns. 
<clears throat> Zeke was first in breakaway runs, carries of 15-plus yards with 23, 1.5 per game, and second innovative tackles with 95, 6.3 per game. He was third in yards created with 540 yards created, 36 per game, and sixth in fantasy points per game with 21.8. Surprisingly, he was just fifth in red zone touches and 18th in goal line carries with seven total on the year. That's insane to me. To have Zeke only have seven goal line carries on the season is insane. So they either score from further out or they were passing the ball when they got in there. I think that goes up. If if that goes up even to 10, Zeke's going to score two or three more touchdowns. With seven average defenders in the box facing Dallas's improved passing game, including Amari Cooper with a full season of Dak and Michael Gallup, seven defenders may be too many for defenses to commit, therefore giving Zeke even more breathing room. With Dallas's offensive line ranked eighth overall in 2018 without Travis Frederick, who was out with Guillain-Barre syndrome, a, a nerve damage issue, and they were third in power rank, they're poised to get back to a top three overall offensive line with the return of Frederick and getting healthy all over. If they return to their 2016 form when they were the, easily the number one uh, offensive line in the league, Zeke is going to be this year's Todd Gurley. I fully believe that. I think he's going to take number one by a long shot if everyone's healthy and he doesn't get suspended. Zeke has played 40 regular season games in his career. He's had RB2 or better finishes in 92.5% of those games. So of the games he's played, 40 regular season games in his career, he's had RB2 or better finishes in 92.5% of those games, which is better than Le'Veon Bell's career percentage of 91.9. I'm all in on Zeke. He's my number one back overall. So those are my top 12 running backs. I think that there's a couple moves to be made still this is again my first kind of run on these um we're in june still i mean come august as i mentioned multiple times through this i will keep reevaluating. i will keep moving guys up and down and i will get a final set of rankings at the beginning of august once draft season starts to make sure that everybody's on the same page here but those are my top 12 running backs i will buzz through them here one more time before we get out of here at number 12 as of June 16th, 2019. Marlon Mack, number 12. Le'Veon Bell, number 11. Leonard Fournette, number 10. James Conner, number 9, but I'll be boosting him down as I mentioned. Nick Chubb, number 8. Melvin Gordon recently moved down to number 7. Joe Mixon, number 6. David Johnson recently moved up to number 5. Alvin Kamara, number 4. Christian McCaffrey, number 3. Saquon Barkley, number 2. And Zeke Elliott, my number one running back as of right now in June for 2019. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Be sure to email us your fantasy questions heading into 2019 to tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod. You can also find us on Twitter at tckpod underscore pod or facebook at the candlestick kids fantasy podcast if you've gotten any value from this podcast at all please leave a rate and review on the podcast it really does help us out please give us a follow and a like on social media help us spread the word it really does mean the world to us make the most of the rest of your day and we'll catch you next time on the candlestick kids fantasy podcast thank you so much for tuning in i'm sky guasco and i am out of here thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.